Okay, so let's talk about cloud computing. And we've already talked about data centers, but of course not everybody can afford a data center. And it's also not economic for everybody to afford a data center. And in this case, it makes sense to think about cloud computing. So what is cloud computing? And so it's a general a cloud service is basically an on-demand um, remote storage and compute resource for service. And all of you probably have heard about Amazon Web Services, um, maybe Microsoft Azure, uh, maybe the Google Cloud platform, IBM has Bluemix, and there's also Alibaba Cloud in China. And there's different kind of service levels, actually, or service models. You can have infrastructure as a service. So this means you basically deploy VMs. So you create a VM with certain operating system, or it already has some kind of operating system, but then you install your applications and everything there. And this is basically an infrastructure that you, um, yeah, you use for some amount of time. But it looks just like a regular server. But then there's also platform as a service, which means you have some additional functionality, like having MapReduce um, on the system. And then there's also software as a service. So and this means, say, for example, you have email um, as a cloud service. So rather than installing your email server on a VM and hosting it somewhere, um, the cloud provider actually gives you uh, an application uh, completely as a, as a service and you just have to configure um, your email address, et cetera. And there's two types, you have public and private clouds. And um, so a public cloud is something like Amazon. So everybody can go there and um, host something. And um, private cloud means you have within an organization, say a large company has their own data center and provides it as a cloud to the different business units or different customers, et cetera. Um, but with not customers, within uh, one organization. And uh, if you have somebody outside, that would be the, the public cloud. And it's really transforming the IT industry and landscape. And so there's an increasing movement from on-premise to cloud resources. And this is because of the economy of scale. So if you have large um, cloud providers, they can do things much cheaper than uh, somebody else. So if you have a cluster with 10 nodes and you need an administrator for it, it will be much more cost uh, than if you have, like the administrator will cost you much more than if you have 10,000 uh, nodes and you have a few um, administrators. And so uh, also basically then the software license has become increasingly irrelevant um, if this is all provided as a service. And today uh, there's a few cloud providers that dominate the market for infrastructure as a service, platform as a service and software as a service. So, and this is um, Amazon and Microsoft Azure, Google, uh, IBM, Oracle and Alibaba. And then, of course, there's a few others, but these are really the dominant ones. Uh, so let's look at the evolution. Um, in the 50s, everything was mainframe. So you would have to buy a very expensive server for your application and put it yeah, at your company, have a building for this. 
And then through the years, basically, uh, internet came, virtual machines came, virtual private networks, there's a lot of virtualization. And in 99, uh, Salesforce was really the first software as a service. So basically delivering an application to companies um, over the internet. Then in 2006, Amazon started its web services, so AWS, AWS and uh, then all of the big companies, internet companies uh, basically followed suit. So Microsoft started Azure, Google uh, presented a compute engine and IBM uh, Bluemix. And so, with that, today there's there's a very rich ecosystem uh, of applications and frameworks that you can use on the cloud, and uh, there's a lot of pros and uh, but also some uh, cons for for cloud computing. So in general, the the pro is that you, for a customer you have very fast and efficient access to resources um, that you actually need. So and as an example, also researchers use clouds a lot because you can uh, repeatedly get certain servers and do your experiments and you will just pay for the service that you actually need. You don't need a large cluster and have it deployed locally. And other, you, other researchers actually can verify your experiments, experiments because they just have to buy the same resources, which typically is not so expensive for a certain experiment because you only pay for what you need and you don't have to have the full server um, or cluster um, that you will only use for a certain amount of time. And then there is no ex initial capital expenditure. So the CapEx is for the user is zero. It's only pay as you go. And you don't need the same amount of administrators to do this and you have self-maintenance and some fault tolerance guarantees provided by the cloud providers. But of course, there's also uh, negative sides. And uh, one thing is that the, the clients need to trust the cloud provider. Essentially, your data is in the cloud, um, your application is in the cloud, and the cloud provider can see this. So um, while they, of course, guarantee some multi-tenancy, so other users should not be able to see it, the cloud provider always has access. And unless you, um, you uh, well, yeah, don't do any real data processing in the cloud, there will be a way to access this. And uh, also, you might have a limited access to your data. So if you have it in a, in a cloud application, so in a software as a service, um, there might not be a way to actually get your data out. So say your customer data, et cetera. And there might be certain conflicts also with government regulation and restrictions. So if you think about the GDPR, uh, for example, in Europe, um, you cannot just store any kind of information on a US server. So you have to ensure um, that if you use the cloud, that uh, your customer data, if you work in the, G in the EU, um, that your customer data is actually located somewhere in the EU. But usually cloud providers actually think about that and, and provide resources in the EU for exactly this. Then there's potential data loss. So every now and then also there's an uh, outage at a cloud provider or some problem and data might be lost. 
and you're typically locked in so there's a vendor lock-in meaning that uh, you cannot easily go back so once you have all your application in the cloud it's especially in software as a service it's very hard to take it out again because of course there's also an incentive for the cloud provider to not make this part easy and um, then at some point um, you might actually encounter unknown costs so there's often there's a stacking of different kind of services different kind of things that you then also have to pay for and you have to be careful so something that often happens is that you forget to say for example turn off your cloud resources and all of a sudden do you have to pay a lot so i've been actually myself in several projects um, where somebody forgot to switch off a server and then it would accumulate quite significant costs um, just because it continues to be running in the cloud and um, you have to still pay for it, even though you're not doing something. However, um, for a user, uh, typically clouds are actually quite economic, uh, especially if you have fluctuating uh, resource needs. So typically uh, the services charge per minute uh, or per byte or something. So they, there's a usage pricing and there's no upfront fee. So you, you pay basically for what you need. And this is good if you have variable utilization. So you only have to compute something every now and then some map reduced job, or you have a service that is only utilized during the day, but not at night or things like that, or you just do a single experiment. So you just do a single experiment on the server. And later on, uh, once the experiment is done, you can turn tear down um, the servers and there's no additional cost. So this means you have this elasticity. And this is also if you have a scalable job, this is very nice because uh, essentially using a thousand servers for one hours, one hour costs you the same as using one server for a thousand hours. So this means that um, if your problem is scalable, you can actually get your results super fast. And um, so essentially, rather than uh, using much time to finish something, you can just use much resources. And the cloud providers all will charge in this way. At the same time, it also makes sense for providers. And this is the because of the economy of scale. Um, purchasing, powering, and managing uh, clusters is much cheaper if you're doing it at scale. So if you have a single cluster, um, this basically means you need, still need many administrators, you still need power units, you still need some kind of building and infrastructure for this. But if you have many of those, the relative cost for all of the infrastructure will be much lower. All of the maintenance, etc., everything will be lower. However, there's, of course, a trade-off. If you grow fast, um, you will probably be less efficient. So if like the growth um, is you're trading off growth with elasticity and the same you're trading off flexibility with the cost because you always want to have a high utilization or I mean, if you have high utilization, um, it will be uh, more efficient and it will be less uh, expensive. But then high utilization means um, you cannot grow as fast. You can, you're not as flexible, basically. At the same time, um, the provider has uh, a high speed of iteration. So unlike in a, in a mainframe situation where you have a, a server at your customer and you need to send somebody there to 
basically update something. Here, your machines are in your data center and you can roll out new services very quickly. And you can uh, give a lot of, or do a lot of monitoring and get feedback on the, the new versions. And you can also partially roll out. So you can change, say for example, in a MapReduce setup, you can change some servers to a new version. Some servers remain at the old version. If the new version doesn't work, you roll it back to the old version and you basically can continuously change. And um, this is completely different uh, to regular software distribution. So in regular software distribution, basically um, you get a new version every year or so. And um, so there's a different additional um, characteristics and deployments models um, specified in the NIST definition for cloud computing. So the NIST is a standardization organization in the US. And uh, so they, they also have like um, ANSI definitions. Uh, and so basically they characterize cloud services on a couple of resources or a couple of characteristics. So one is the, the, the self-service. So how does the resource provisioning work? then the network accessibility, um, resource pooling. So how much uh, virtualization of the resources do you have? How much multi-tenancy? And um, then the rapid uh, elasticity. So how much does the in and out uh, scaling work and the measured service, so utilization and monitoring. And there's different deployment models. So I already hinted at that. So private clouds versus public clouds. But then um, there's also hybrid setups. So you can have combination of uh, private and public cloud, meaning that you have something in your own organization, something in the public cloud, or you can have something like a community cloud. So one or like multiple organizations share a cloud. This could be different business units within an organization. Um, or different, like a couple of companies uh, that share uh, a cloud, but it's not completely public. So not everybody can uh, go there. And with that, let's briefly look at a couple of cloud applications, how they are actually deployed in the next video. <laughs>